It's snowing in Egypt, Micah, so you know winter's coming. It's snowing in New York as well. Is it really? Yeah. The uh, whole northeast here is getting blanketed with uh, a whole lot of snow. Speaking of holes, ear holes, we're blanketing them with this podcast and show that you're listening to. It's Game of Owns. That is Micah Tannenbaum. And that is Zach Louie. We mix it up there. Just a little bit. Just like, I was really uh, inspired by the Wednesday episode. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm sticking with it. Yeah, it's uh, it's a cool new type of intro. And then after we do it about five or six <laughs> more times, we'll go back to the original. We'll go back to just not knowing when we're into the show and saying hello to all of you listeners. It's Monday. It is sometime in December. It is probably cold where you are, unless you're one of our tropical region listeners. And you guys have a capita in our percentages. Or per. you're headed where I'm headed which is to Orlando, Florida, mm-hmm. and it will be much warmer there uh, than it is currently here in New York. So right now, Micah is telling you all that he's not going to make our Hump Day episode this week, so Mike will not make it. That's right. But I did see a, a really cool photo of a camel in Egypt uh, as the snow was uh, falling down to the ground. Did you? Yeah, and uh, I'm assuming since oh Winter Coup is here in New York, that it must be one of his distant cousins uh, out in Egypt. How could what, what are the chances that there's going to be a real photograph? I mean, the fact that that happened that's crazy. But in Egypt, our the native land of the our sigils animal, you know, that represents our show would actually get blanketed in winter. I like that. It's it's, it's far more likely that that would happen to uh, Winter Boo than Winter Coup. So it's it is. True. It's very odd. There are strange things happening uh, in the world right now. Shannon F tweeted in to our show at Game of Bones, and she said, "Winter coup made by Advent calendar. Hashtag goo. Hashtag got the Game of Thrones. Hashtag Christmas. Hashtag winter is here. And it is a picture of. I have two copies of it open on my desktop, so I can look at both of them. Um, they're the same thing. It's just a camel on a Christmas tree. I love it." Crafts. Hashtag crafts. As many hashtags as you can fit in in 140 characters. Mm-hmm. Was it handcrafted, though? It looks... I don't know. Hold on. Let me take a look. Eh, handcrafted. Or is it an animal cracker? It's not an animal crafter. Crack, crafter. It looks as if it were molded in a plastic mold. So, no. it's Everything else is handcrafted, though. Well, we know we have some very talented listeners. So, yeah. it was appropriate, I feel, to ask the question. We appreciate you sending that in. Yes, we do. So, today we're talking about... A special chapter. I know that Eric and Micah were with you at the end of last week, and they were like, all of these crazy things are happening because we finally have our Davos chapter entering Blackwater Bay. Well, now our perspective is flipped, and we are on the shoulders of a small Tyrion Lannister as he realizes no one's going to do anything, so he might as well just do it himself. A, a real noticeable difference from the television show because – and and I, don't get me wrong, I think it was important for his character in the show to, to really rally the troops and have them respond to them, to him, in the way that they did. Uh, but in the book, it was much, much different, and he really didn't know heading into battle if he had any men following him. Yeah, and the show it made it look like, I mean, I think they did a good job painting it as vague as they could without having to go into dialogue and actually explain who are the men, what are they doing there, what are their thoughts on going outside of the gate, you know? But in the book, obviously, it being a book, that's the medium that's easier for us. Um, we definitely get a stronger insight onto just what he was facing and how the men were feeling. And it was a very, very tumultuous situation. Yeah. And, and the Hound definitely, as in the TV show, doesn't help the situation because he is afraid and and that's pointed out um 
a number of different times, and Tyrion is able to sense that. And if you don't have somebody like the Hound, who is responsible for leading this particular group of people, um, willing and able to go back out to fight, you can't expect that his men are going to either. And Tyrion has a very tough task ahead of him, and, and even when he says, well, I'm going to lead the sortie, <laughs> it, it comes across as a joke, yeah. because he's... He's Tyrion, and he's not viewed as this great warrior. Yeah. He's viewed as the the demon monkey. And it, the fact that he has courage enough to stand up to the Hound, to say what he does, you know, that there's that great line, they say, I'm a half-man, what does that make the lot of you? He, you see a couple of people start to rally around him a little bit, but even when he's making the charge to go out into battle... He's not sure how many people he has behind him that are going to fight alongside of him. Yeah, and I think it's important that you listeners travel with us to the scenario because I'm imagining Micah and I standing in the middle of a slightly smoky, slightly burning King's Landing. Now, now King's Landing itself isn't ablaze, but what they've done to Blackwater Bay, I feel like we get such a stronger look into. There's there's even more paragraphs of destruction and, and, and just total breakdown and annihilation of what the substance has done. I just think it was awesome that it has been described as basically dragon fire without the dragon. You know what I mean? Like this is the situation they're dealing with and this is what Tyrion's leading them into. It's it's such utter destruction and, and devastation and there there's a moment where I think more wildfire actually ignites and mm-hmm. he he notices the the silence that results from that because for just one moment it quieted the screams of all of the men and the battle cries. And just to think to be fighting in that type of situation and to know that you're burning people alive. It, at the very beginning of the chapter, it's it's referred to as a jade holocaust. Yeah. And that's just such powerful imagery to have. And Tyrion has that thought to himself, that stream of consciousness where... He says, Stannis, this is just as much your fault as it is mine. You put those men there. I mean, you were the one who rode them into the bay. You were the usurper. Right. But it's Tyrion at the end of the day that decides to use wildfire because he doesn't have the men to fight Stannis. So this is how the chapter opens in the text of the book. It says, motionless as a gargoyle, Tyrion Lannister hunched on one knee atop of Merlon. Beyond the mudgate and the desolation of smog that had once been the fish market and wharves, the river itself seemed to have taken a fire. Half of Stannis's fleet was ablaze along with most of Joffrey's. The kiss of wildfire turned proud ships into funeral pyres and men into living torches. The air was full of smoke and arrows and screams. And so when this Jade Holocaust erupted, Micah, you know, we're talking about like a 30, 40 foot just wall of boom. Uh, yeah, it kind of it, it even drowned it out all of that. I like how you snuck smog in there. <laughs> you can't really sneak smog in, but he does have dragon fire. And it's yes. it's bright and it looks all encompassing as I've seen. But I mean, I, this is one of those great chapters, dude, where I was reading and I was just thinking it, it reminds me so much of uh being immersed in to Helm's Deep and uh with even more of like a modern twist on it. Like I said a few weeks ago, it was just or I think it was a few episodes ago last week. It was just like his approach to this kind of situation, his approach to these people, it's such a personal perspective. It's it's less, I'm a storyteller and I'm reading you what's happening. It's more of, this is definitely through the eyeballs of Tyrion and how you see it. And so with what he does at the end of chapter, it, it makes it even more bold knowing all of these facts and giving us even further 
setup of all that's happening outside. So when Tyrion makes his way to the mudgate because he's being told it's getting attacked with a battering ram and he he approaches the mudgate and knows okay well if i don't stop this thing it's going to be a pretty shitty situation so obviously the hound comes out like you were saying and we learn that the hound has taken his men outside four or five times i guess to stop things from happening and the chaos of the wildfire is even reaching the shore and it's carrying itself with the men that they're attacking. And basically everything is just fucked. It is fucked. And we got a brief mention of the hound in the last chapter with Davos saying that Davos saw the hound. You know, he could tell who he was just by the helm that he wore riding yeah. aboard one of the ships on, on his horse and, and slaying all these men. And the hound comes back battered and bruised. He's missing an ear. His horse has been killed Yep, and and we all know the hound's backstory and how he is deathly afraid of fire. So you can only imagine what's going through his mind with all these explosions taking place around him. Yeah, and and this is the part of the show that everyone likes, where the hound is like, "I'm thirsty, damn it!" And they're like, "Oh, here, take this, sir." And he's like, oh, "Fuck your water. I'll take some wine." It happened exactly like that in the book. So I was really pleased to see the. Uh, brutal humor mixed into the scenario you know what i mean this is such a short chapter but it was full of gems like this and uh, a really good insight into how the hound's dealing with this but dude he did not say fuck the king he didn't even say bugger the king he did say bugger the king's hand though so it didn't get as intense as it did in the show right and i just think that it was it was a moment for the hound in the show to be able to completely separate himself from joffrey and yeah the rest of the lannisters and say fuck this i'm out of here this is this is a lost cause and if Tyrion didn't step up in that moment stannis's men would have been able to get into the city and Tyrion, at the very beginning of the chapter he, he talks about um his conversation with jacelyn bywater and how the men would start to turn if they felt that the battle was being lost so this is a really critical moment for the lannisters because if Tyrion doesn't rally them and ride out into battle there's a good chance that stannis and his men are able to get into the city and then all bets are off in terms of allegiances yeah i mean right now things are happening and like you said it, it is this turning point but i don't think he realized the turning point was upon him you know i guess it's one of those situations where you know something is happening like a very deciduous moment that's going to eventually happen in this battle but i think he was trying to stave it off as long as he could and he was like damn it okay now is the time where it's going to get a little intense and we need to decide who's going what and who's doing where. So this is when he steps up and gives his sort of epic speech. And uh, it's going to be part of my own later on, which I'm sure it's yours, because <laughs> this is a short chapter and not a terrible amount happens. But, um, you know, it's it's cool to see this much action happening in the book and to see it, you know, from the helm of Tyrion. And, and he realizes, though, that even what he's doing out on the water is not going to be enough and that some of the ships have made it to shore. And that means that some of Stannis's men have made it to shore. And so he, he starts to turn the, the, the three whores, as they're known, <laughs> uh, in the direction of some of these men who are, who are on the shore and, even that isn't enough because, like you mentioned earlier, now he's got men that are not only coming up the shore, but they're at the gates. So he's finding a war on all these different fronts, and it just – the odds are not in his favor uh, you know, to, to win this because Stannis clearly has a plan. It's not the best plan uh, based on some of the things we talked about 
uh, in the last chapter with Davos and, and, and the fact that Davos was so knowledgeable uh, about so many things, yet he wasn't really given a high level of command. And I, you sort of wonder if he was, would that have made a major difference in, in the outcome of this particular battle? And there, there's a mention in this chapter of how as soon as Stannis's primary ship crossed over the chain that he gave Bronn the cue to let the oxen start moving and lift the chain up. And by the time the chain would have been lifted to the position where it was at the end of Davos's chapter, all of Stannis's fleet, or a good majority of Stannis's fleet, uh, was going to be trapped inside of Blackwater Bay and unable uh, to to escape. And that was left out of the show, and I know a lot of people were upset that the chain wasn't included. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on it, Zach. Do you think it would have made a little bit more of an impact if they had included the chain? Would it have shown Tyrion as even more tactical than he already is? It's a tough call because we know, especially from reading it in the book, that Tyrion was the savior of King's Landing. And we know that the falling action after all this happens is meant to be very dramatic and meant to be super hard hitting. But I don't think I felt that to the degree I think they wanted to convey in the show. And I think it probably would have been helped with glorifying his involvement in the actual victory. You know what I mean? Like, I think if Davos was given the charge, let's say, and they were wary of the chain and maybe all the ships weren't captured, I definitely think that they still would have taken out a good amount of ships. And I think it's important to remember, everyone that's listening, that this little victory with the wildfire can really make us go, oh, wow, good job. Like, the battle maybe is going to be sort of even now because all those people died and that was a smart thing to do. Well, not really, because if you remember going into this, Stannis's numbers are just ridiculously high, comparatively speaking. And not only that, but the men that Tyrion is commanding now because the king is off, you know, launching oh. antler men over the wall and the catapults instead of shooting stone. He had to actually appease Joffrey with that. Those men are turning around and running. And this is basically all left on his shoulders. So we're outmatched, not outwitted, but I think to I guess, <laughs> answer your question after a long runaround in my own thoughts, um, I think it definitely should have been the show. I mean, what the hell? You got to put that in there because he was planning it since the beginning of this book and they could have implanted it in an episode in a very small scene. They could have added it to the pyromancer scene and just had the same guys take care of it even, you know, like that would have been believable enough. And they could have literally just had a shot of it being raised and maybe a few shots of uh, CGI ships running into a chain and not be able to get away. Yeah, because that's what makes the situation uh, so dire for Davos uh, in this book. And certainly if you know, you had read as this book was published and you had to wait a while for a storm of swords, you're left wondering, just like with Jamie, you're left wondering the fate of Davos because – you know, he he goes into the water. He emerges from the water, which I don't believe he does in the show, and he's left sort of drifting away. Despite him being this extremely experienced swimmer, he's being pulled by the current towards this burning mass of ships that are that are pressed up against this chain because they're they themselves are unable to escape Blackwater Bay. So it's really um, you know great imagery uh, and. It's unfortunate that that wasn't included in the show. Now, does it make me dislike the show or, you know, dislike how it was written? No, absolutely not. But I can understand people's frustrations because it was a key component to how Tyrion was able to win uh, the Battle of Blackwater Bay. So 
that's just uh, kind of my two cents on it. But Zach, you mentioned though, you know, the fact that Tyrion was able to kill a fair number of Stannis's men with wildfire. But the the flip side to that is he's also killing some of his men, um, and knowing that that's just uh, a casualty of war and there's that scene when he's talking to Joffrey and Joffrey is whining about how all of his ships are being destroyed. And, and Tyrion makes a clear point that, well, if we didn't use those ships to show that we were actually going to be engaged on the water, then Stannis would have easily been able to figure out that there was some sort of trap going on. So he has to sacrifice not only the ships, but he has to sacrifice men in order to, you know, deal this serious blow to Stannis. All is fair in love and war, right? I mean, it's a kind of a cliche phrase, but it's happening here. And these casualties don't mean anything personally to Joffrey. And that has a lot to do with what they're facing with the men being, I mean, deserters. Deserters! I just said that strange and it made me think of a breakfast sandwich. But still, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the whole reason this is such a hard thing for them. And lo and behold, we know what happens later. But for all intents and purposes, this battle is pretty much lost. So... Getting to see the bravery that Tyrion is exuding here, especially at the end of the chapter, I'm going to go ahead and just read this quote because I like it so much. They say I'm a half-man, he said. What does that make of the lot of you? And then that shamed them well enough. A knight mounted, helmetless, and rode to join the others. A pair of cell swords followed, then more. The king's gate had shuddered again. In a few moments, the size of Tyrion's command had doubled. He had them trapped. If I fight, they must do the same, or they are less than dwarfs. You won't hear me shout, out Joffrey's name, he told them. You won't hear me yell for Castle Rock either. This is your city, Stannis means to sack, and that's your gate he's bringing down. So come with me and kill the son of a bitch. Tyrion unsheathed his axe, wheeled the stallion around, and trotted toward the sally port he thought they were following. He dared never to look. So, I mean, that's the situation. Yeah, it's an, assuming that's your own of the chapter. It is. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and just say. That will be my own because Tyrion wasn't sure whether or not they'd live. He had no idea that there would be any kind of reinforcing committee happen. And he just is doing at that moment all that he can do. When we know good and well Tyrion could easily flee and hook up with other people and hop into some tunnels and make some shit happen. You know? Right. And um, that would probably be the the course of action that Joffrey would look to take. You know, he's out there. He's not doing much, though, to inspire his own you know people really and you mentioned earlier how uh he's uh catapulting antler men back uh to stannis they're of course being the people who joffrey believes uh and they're the insurgents yeah they're they're kind of the uh the traitors of uh king's landing but i don't know if there's ever actual evidence to support that it's something that varus passes on to Tyrion, and Tyrion then um, acts upon with Joffrey. And this made me think a little bit about the whole roast Joffrey, uh, <laughs> you know, what do I want to call it? Uh, campaign. <laughs> yeah, it's a campaign, but it's like the uh, all this hype that's kind of taking over social media. And I, and I wonder uh, what the antler men would, uh, would do to roast Joffrey uh, if they were still with us today. Um, they would probably keep the antlers nailed to the tops of their heads and uh, blow them a raspberry. That's what they would do. It's <laughs> the strongest way to roast someone. But uh, it, it's definitely uh, a campaign that has taken off in the world of Twitter and Facebook and 
all other forms of social media, seeing a lot of different people uh, express how they would roast the great King Joffrey uh, if they so had the chance to meet him in person. We had there was there was so much stuff online that we were like, oh, should we read some of it off on the show? But literally, there's too much. The easiest way to find it is just to go on Twitter and search the hashtag. Um, Rose Joffrey. And before we get to Twitter, uh, for our owns for this episode, actually I should say for your owns for this episode, <laughs> uh, my own also have to give it to Tyrion. There's not many options otherwise in this chapter. Uh, though you could give it to Joffrey for owning the Antlermen, uh, I do give it to Tyrion. And it was a really funny, great line, uh, when he was talking to one of the soldiers, uh, and he says, shall I bring you a nice ice milk in a bowl of raspberries? No. They get on your fucking horse. It's just, uh, it's classic Tyrion. And, uh, I thought in an otherwise serious chapter, yeah. uh, that was a very funny moment. I like it. I like it. I mean, it's a good chapter. These, these, uh, these chapters that depict the Battle of Blackwater and depict the Sack of King's Landing essentially are so far pretty much the cream of the crop when it comes to this book. So I challenge you all, if you're not listening along in the audiobook, if you're not listening along, uh, you're already listening to the show. That doesn't make any sense. But if you're not reading along with us, uh, check it out. At least, you know, go to your local bookstore and peek your head into this chapter and read it because it's pretty cool stuff. Especially if you watched it in the show. It's it's definitely much, much better. Yeah, so let's uh, let's see what some of our listeners had for owns for this particular chapter. We've got a tweet here from Ida Azkov. It's not an own, but she says, My podcast cravings are going nuts. Please put out a new episode for the sake of my not-so-healthy mentality. Hashtag crazy listener. It's Monday, and here's an episode. I hope you made it, Ida. Please, please remain with us in the world of the living. Yes, please, and uh, hopefully your mentality improves as a result. Andy Robillard tweets in. He says, "Bugger the rules. The half man completely owns the chapter. Strategy, comma, coordinating ampersand half in quotes, manning up to charge outside." I like that tweet, Andy. Mechanical, but a good, good own nonetheless. I like the uh, the avatar he has there as well. It looks like a beagle. Yeah, it's a good hunting dog. Just in case you need to hunt some orcs. Perfect. Yep. Uh, also got a tweet here from Susan Stacy, and this is going to the last episode that we did with Davos. She says, Eric, additional owners of pleasure barges include Zaro Zohan Doxos, or Duxos, mm-hmm. as he tells Danny and the Tyrells, as Marjorie tells Sansa. So, uh, Cersei, not the only person in the Game of Thrones universe to own a pleasure barge. Pleasure barges run rampant, I think, with the wealthy. I feel like Solid or San probably has a pleasure barge somewhere. His only vessel is a pleasure barge. That's what he's pirates <laughs> in. Another tweet from Jonathan Alexander with the uh, White Walker as an avatar. It says, at Game of Owns, and to cap it all off, a new almost hour-long soak in the bath of a song in Ice and Fire Awesome, that is goo. Thanks. So uh, I'm implanting that mental image into your mind, everybody. A white walker soaking in a bath, listening to goo with those little cheap headphones on you used to have in school. And uh, he has some snow going on in his part of the world. We talked about that earlier on in the episode. Oh, so much snow. Another own here from Susan. She says, at Game of Owns, Clash of Kings, Chapter 58, Davos, Tyrion so owned. The Battle of Blackwater with his chain trap slash wildfire attack strategy. He is the lion's hero. I think he is. I would agree with that. Yeah, and we uh, finally got another own here from Andy Robillard, who says, owns to Mathos for giving his father slash captain his helm, which kept him alive. Yet Mathos does not survive. 
the Battle of Blackwater Bay. The Bob Wub. Yeah, I was going to say that. So thanks for all those owns and definitely keep them coming in. Send them uh, to us at Game of Owns on Twitter for this Tyrion chapter or for the next chapter coming up, which uh, I actually did not turn the page, so I do not know <laughs> it's which a mystery. chapter that is. You have to read to it's find out. It's a mystery out. to all of us. Yeah. Yes, please read. We encourage reading on this show. It is fundamental. Reading is fundamental. And if you were in school, you still get lots of prizes for reading and taking tests on books. I remember those old days. We will be paying our Facebook page a visit on our Hump Day episode, so you have a few days leading up to that. So come out, scroll, pledge your vows, all those niceties. And please look forward to, I guess this is the first time we're going to tell people this, but you've been wondering what we have up our sleeves um, Approaching the holidays, if we're going to be PC, can we just say the holidays, Micah? Or do you want, to, or you just want to say Hanukkah? Well, Hanukkah's over. It's uh, shit. It's in the can, so I, I don't. <laughs> I, I think we're fair to say Christmas, right? At this yeah. point, I can't believe I don't know what Hanukkah is. It makes me feel like a moron. Well, it was it was really early this year. It 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 actually uh, crossed paths with Thanksgiving, which I don't think happens for like another fifty five thousand years or something crazy like that. So yeah, we are uh, heading. Towards our our holiday episode, our Christmas episode, our Hanukkah episode, our Kwanzaa episode, uh, whatever you do celebrate, it or is nothing. that episode for you. Yeah, if you celebrate nothing, <laughs> it could be known as the nothing episode or just another episode. If you celebrate time off school and work, then the show is for you. I mean, I haven't been in college for a bit now, um, and I still celebrate Christmas break. So yes, it is a, it's a festive favorite uh, time of year. So uh, we will be putting something special together uh, for that week, and uh, we hope that you enjoy it and uh, just look forward uh, to something uh, in the mail. Uh, no, it's not <laughs> yeah, true. Please uh, check your mail for, yeah, every day. Wait outside. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> but uh, good things are coming. How about that? It's such an exciting time. Mike, Mike and I were just having a little think tank meeting before this, and we're just looking beyond the other stuff that we're putting together leading up to season four and blah, 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 and beyond. And it's just a good time right now to... Uh, to enjoy Game of Thrones. Good time to enjoy Song of Ice and Fire. It's just, uh, in general, lots of good things are happening. And we uh, are glad that you're here with us because I can't even tell you how fun it is to make this show. It's a lot of fun. And uh, we'll, uh, we have a few uh, tricks up our sleeve, as Zach uh, said earlier on. Well, before we start spilling everything that we have inside of our brains and ruining stuff for you guys, I think Micah is going to tell you about things that you've said to us. Yes, uh, it is still December. And uh, that means on iTunes that nothing less than five stars is acceptable. Uh, we did, on our last episode, go over 200 reviews. So uh, thanks again to all the listeners out there for uh, taking the time to go over there and rate and review us. Uh, I read a good amount of them on the last episode, but uh, I will read just one more. It is our 201st customer review, as Ooh. they uh, label it on iTunes. Ooh. Sounds very official. Very official. Uh, it comes from just a sullied fan, and he says, "So sullied," or she says, uh, "Best GOT podcast." And that's right. I've read all the books, and I love listening to the goo hosts share and discuss each of the chapters during the on season. Love discovering all the details and foreshadowing that I missed with my hasty first read. It is also fun listening to Eric and Zach, the unsullied, talk about characters and story progression when I know what's going to happen next. I don't know how Micah and Selena do it. <laughs> Thanks for an enlightening show. 
Smiley face. Thank you for the review. I raised your iTunes review, Micah, which was very nice. Thank you. With an email from a Mr. Joe who says, When the cold winds blow and the snows are 40 feet high, the individual finger glove dies, but the mitten survives. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably true. A little warmth-related poetry never hurt anyone. Uh, that's good to kind of keep in the back of your mind as we really kind of head towards the winter months here. So that's what we leave you guys with. Words from a listener. Kind, poetic words made from a joke a few episodes ago. I am Zach Louie. And I am Micah Tannenbaum. And if you would like to email us, just like Joe did, you can do so at contact <laughs> at gameofowns.com. What should we do now? I don't know. This is the part of the show where people always write in. They say, oh, I can't wait to see how they're going to end the show before the music starts playing. And <laughs> they think that it's like this whole scripted thing that sure it is. we come up with beforehand. It's, it's like, got to be no, scripted. No, we really don't. It's just kind of how it ends. And if somebody says something sarcastic or funny or witty, then boom, the strings start playing. But I don't know, Zach. How are we going to do this? Okay. Um, you know, like those th- those cases people put like nice sunglasses or any kind of eyeglasses in that are kind of like a clam case? Yeah. I can. We can end it with me shutting it really loud in the microphone. Okay. Let's do that. You ready? Bye, everybody. Bye.